0: Well, good morning, and uh, welcome to Crosspoint. My name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors here, and we're thankful that you're with us. If you're getting your coffee or checking in your child, uh, do so, and then come on into the living room and grab a seat. This morning, we're excited to have uh, Brett Mungie back to lead us in worship, and I'm excited to have my friend Bill White here to preach and to uh, share with us some encouragement about God's Word, about Jesus' words when it uh, comes to the subject of forgiveness. Hype Mission team got back at 5 a.m. this morning, if, uh, if you're here this morning, you get a gold star on the mythical chore chart of attendance or something. I don't know. But uh, we're thankful that you made it. Or if you're sleeping, we'll see you next week. Um, I want to read with you uh, Psalm 138 as we get into worship here. It says this, I will praise you, O Lord, with all my heart. Before the gods I will sing your praise. I will bow down toward your holy temple and will praise your name. For your love and your faithfulness, for you have exalted above all things your name and your word. When I called, you answered me. You made me bold and stout hearted. May all the kings of the earth praise you, O Lord, when they hear the words of your mouth. May they sing of the ways of the Lord, for the glory of the Lord is great. Though the Lord is on high, he looks upon the lowly, but the proud he knows from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand. Against the anger of my foes, with your right hand you save me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not abandon the works of your hands. I am grateful that as I read verse 6, it says, Though the Lord is on high, he looks upon the lowly. I'm grateful for that truth this morning. I'm grateful for the truth that, that his love and faithfulness endure forever. So let's stand up and sing, and let's worship this great God. Father God, I pray that you'd be lifted up, that you'd be glorified, you'd be exalted. We would esteem you, we would lift you high in our hearts as we sing, as we hear your word, as we're challenged by your word. May you be glorified in all of it. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Says this, I will sing of your strength. I will sing aloud of your steadfast love in the morning, for you have been to me a fortress and a refuge in the day of my distress. O oh, my strength, I will sing praises to you, for you, O oh God, are my fortress, the God who shows me steadfast love. A thousand times I've failed. still your mercy remains and Should I stumble again, still I'm caught in your grace Everlasting, your light will shine with Your light will shine with all else fades never ending. Your glory goes beyond all.
0: Each week in the midst of our worship and our singing, we give back to God a portion of what he's given to us financially. We give our offerings. We give our tithes. And I just want to encourage you in this. This this last week we had a a team of students and adults go down to Relevant Ministry in Mississippi and serve and and be on mission for a week in that way. Tonight's kicks off our VBS, our local missions project to expand the gospel into the next generation. And so I just want to encourage you that God is using the the giving, the the offerings that we give, he's using it to expand the gospel, whether that's along the Gulf Coast or whether that's here locally through a vacation Bible school. So I pray that you'd uh, give uh, as God would lead you and that you wouldn't give uh, begrudgingly or out of obligation, but cheerfully and faithfully, and that ultimately that God would be glorified by how we give. Uh, Father God, I pray that you would be glorified, you would be honored, that I thank you for the ways that you are using what we give to expand your kingdom, to spread the love and hope of Jesus Christ, whether that's to Mississippi, whether that's here in this region, through a vacation Bible school, whether it's through a myriad of other ways. Father, I pray that you would, again, you'd be honored, you'd be lifted up, and that you would remind us that our ultimate trust, our ultimate faith is in you and you alone. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Nothing can separate Even if I ran away Your love never fails I know I still make mistakes But you have new mercies for me every day Your love never fails Stay the same through the ages is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. Let's sing Holy is the Lord together. We stand and lift up our hands for the joy Be seated.
2: Thank Amen. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Most of you have never seen me before. Um, I am Pastor Bill White. Uh, I serve at a church in Bloomington, Illinois, and I am friends with Dave and with Eric and tell you, it's a joy to know your pastors. Uh, They have great hearts, and I've seen the reality that uh, they are are humble men. They choose to serve uh, the Lord in a way that uh, puts God first, and I know that they love their families. And because of those things, I know that as I come here this morning, that I'm in the midst of friends and and people who are under the leadership of godly men, and I know that this church uh, loves the Lord. And so I'm excited to be here with you today. Um, I said that I'm friends with Eric, and I happen to be friends with him on Facebook as well. And if anybody friends with Eric on Facebook in here, a few of you, if you're friends with Eric, maybe this is just common knowledge anyway, Eric likes bacon, you guys are aware of that. You see a lot of things on Facebook, you get to know people in a kind of a weird way on Facebook, and I've noticed that this last week, Eric is on a mission trip, I believe, is that correct? serving, and he put two pictures up of them serving, and I think one was fried egg sandwiches and one uh, pulled pork sandwiches, and I was intrigued by the, the fact that um, whenever I see a picture of Eric's around really good food, it's just an intriguing thing. Facebook has kind of given us an opportunity uh, to, to be with friends all over the world and during different times. We sent a team to Haiti a couple weeks ago, and I was able to see video footage of them serving down there as well, and I hope you're able to keep in contact as you guys are representing Christ, as, as your ch- church, Crosspoint, is representing Christ uh, in Mississippi. And it's such a blessing to be able to see those kind of things, but in this last week, a lot of us maybe uh, have seen some things on Facebook that weren't so pretty. We were able to see uh, in these last couple of weeks, just some news that has come up that um, that maybe is unsettling for you, and and I want to confess that for me as well, and, and I won't get into political things here this morning, but I do want to talk about something that happened a couple weeks ago that really just broke my heart, and most of us, I think, in this room probably know about the tragedy that took place in Charleston, and uh, it just breaks my heart to realize that there could be such hate in this world, uh, such, such hate that would would want to to start a race war because of the hate that exists in one person. And we know the story. We saw the the things that took place. We saw that that a church chose to respond in a a way that I believe represented God very well. In the midst of their hurt, in the midst of their pain, uh, maybe you saw it on Facebook or on social media, uh, one by one these family members came forward in the courtroom and told this young man, you took something away from me that I'll never get back again. You took someone away from me that I'll never be able to hold again or, or talk to again. But I have no room in my heart for hate, and I choose to forgive. And I'll tell you, with tears, I'm seeing this, and I can't believe that, that these people are doing such a fantastic job, in my opinion, representing our God. Because I think all of us in this room probably could agree That young man does not deserve forgiveness. What he did in our mind is unforgivable. Yet, just like me, I do not deserve forgiveness. Because of the sin that I've committed in my life, I do not deserve forgiveness. But yet, God has chosen through his Son to forgive me. And I think what the people in Charleston did was they they represented the gospel very well. They proclaimed the truth of Christ and what is made possible through Christ's death and resurrection and they chose to forgive. Forgiveness is a choice, and we're going to look at forgiveness today. And, and it's, what we're going to look at is, is a difficult topic because it's hard to do sometimes. And uh, when I asked Dave what he wanted me to preach on, he shared that you guys were going through this, this series, Jesus said what? Jesus said what? And go ahead and put up this first verse that we're going to look at this morning. And these words might not settle well with you. And I put them in red because everything that's in red up there is Jesus' words. And let's read it together. And, and I think that this is heavy stuff. This is heavy stuff. We're just diving right in today. It says, For if you forgive others, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forg- forgive your sins. Wow, that's heavy. If we choose not to forgive others, our Heavenly Father's not going to forgive us? I don't know about you, but that, that shakes up my theology a little bit. That, that does not set, well, God expects me to forgive others? He says that I need to forgive or He won't forgive me? Wow, is that really in the Bible? Did Jesus really say that? These are the words of Christ. And we're going to see that He didn't just say it in this one isolated case. He said it in several different gospels, and I think we need to wrestle with what are the implications of this? What is forgiveness, and what is God calling us to do? But before we continue to dive into the word and really wrestle with it together, let's say a word of prayer and ask the Lord uh, to be with us as we go through the scripture this morning. Father God, we just want to commit this day to you. Lord, I thank you that you give us your truth so that we can live in a way that represents you, Lord, that we can uh, grow closer to you and, and show your love to others. Lord, I thank you for this church and the, the leaders that are here who, who are weekly helping uh, these people to get into your word, to wrestle with it, and to see how they can apply it to our lives. And so today, I ask that your Holy Spirit would speak through me. I ask that your Holy Spirit would work in hearts, Lord, that you would speak and that you would speak to us and that each of us would take what it is you want us to learn and what it is you want us to apply. Help us to to listen to your truth and to live it for you. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, well, that verse that we just looked at, that, that Jesus said what moment, is found in what is considered the most memorized passage of Scripture in all of the Bible. Um, you probably don't have those two verses memorized, but most of us in this room, I think, maybe know the verses that come right before it. And so I'm going to have us, actually, so that we can get some blood going again here in a minute, I'm going to have us stand, everybody stand, and we're going to read, this is the most memorized passage of all of the Bible. Uh, it's the Lord's Prayer. And the Lord's Prayer, I think most of us know it, and if you know it in a different version, then I, I, I want to encourage you to say it in the version that you know, Uh, But we have it up here on the screen as well, and so we'll go. We'll we'll read it together. Go ahead and stop right before we get to verse fourteen. So stop at verse at the end of verse thirteen, and I want us to think about, listen to these words. We know this prayer, but right in the middle of it, in the heart of it, is something that Jesus realizes that maybe we didn't catch, and so he follows it up with those next two verses. But let's say the Lord's prayer together. I'll start it, and so that we don't have. It drowned out by my, my voice. I want you to just continue on nice and loud as a church, as God's church, okay? Our Father... amen you may have a seat i love it i love to hear god's word spoken corporately as a church and you guys you you did perfectly exactly what i was hoping you would do when you got in the middle did you notice how everybody started saying different things and it was kind of like wait what's happening that was supposed to happen you memorized that in the same way that i did in a couple different ways and so if we look at that yeah perfect you have the correct verse up there go back to that last one i, I pointed out too soon okay because I brought this little Bible, I'm, it's better for me to read up here than my, my own Bible here. But forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. There's something that Jesus is implying here that, that I think that I have often missed. I, I've known this, this passage, this prayer, since I was a small child. I've prayed it thousands of times. And yet there's something that's happening here I think that we sometimes miss. Forgive us our debts as we also, as we also have forgiven our debtors. We're actually going to look at an entire passage in a moment where Jesus kind of wrestles with this idea of debt. And they're talking about sin here. We have this incredible debt that we can never pay on our own, that Jesus has paid for through his death and his resurrection. It's paid for in full. We've been forgiven of that debt, but we also are called to forgive others. Some of you said this verse in the same way that I had it memorized. Uh, forgive us our trespasses. We forgive those who trespass against us. Anybody have it mem- memorized that way in here? Trespasses, it, I, I like that that word is in there because it kind of gives us a visual picture of sin, what's happening with sin. Anybody outdoorsy in here? I know Eric is. Is there any other fellow outdoorsman? Um, I hunt, and so I've been uh, enjoying the hunting that there is in Illinois, but Illinois is a little different. When you deer hunt, you get in one spot and you sit in a tree for a really long time, and you hope that a deer walks by on this little piece of land that you're on. Uh, I used to live in Colorado for six years, and there you hunt in the huge mountains, and you hike around, and you explore, and it's a lot of fun. Hunting here is fun, too, but Colorado is something different. But in, in Colorado, even though I'm out on public land, hunting you know, on this huge, enormous place, you still walk upon places where there's a fence, and there's this private property, and there's this big sign that says what? no trespassing. And that sign's telling you, do not go beyond this point. You are not permitted to go here. If you go here, you're breaking the law. If you go across this line, you're in a place that you shouldn't be. And that's what sin is. We, we, when we choose to cross that line, we choose to go to a place that God never intended us to go, to think a thought he knows is not beneficial for us, to have these things that we're wrestling with that we shouldn't enter into, and God is telling us that there's, there's places that we shouldn't go. And, and when we trespass, we can still be forgiven because of what Jesus did on the cross. But we're also called to forgive those who trespass against us, who do things that they shouldn't in our life and kind of uh, push the envelope in ways that, that hurt and cause pain. We're called to not hold bitterness in our heart, but to forgive. And I think Jesus maybe knew that we would skim over that, as I have for years and years, in the heart of that verse to skim over the as we also portion of that prayer. And so he follows it up with verses 14 and 15. This is the Jesus said what that we're wrestling with today. Again, I'll read it. For if we forgive others when they sin against us, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. That's heavy stuff. I'm called to forgive, but what if they did it 10 times? What if they did it so many times that it just, it's just a pattern and it, it doesn't really seem like they really care and it, 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 you still forgive? And he says the implications are huge. If you do not forgive others, your Father will not forgive you your sins. And I tell you, as I read that, it doesn't line up with my theology. It doesn't fit. It, it kind of rubs me the wrong way a little bit. It's like, it's the the whole idea of well I can't earn my salvation, and um, I'm sure that Dave has tackled before in James where we talk about faith and works, where faith without works is dead, and this is kind of the same concept I think in a way where, just like faith, true faith will result in works. It's not saying that works are what earn your salvation, but it is saying that if you have true genuine faith, results are sure to follow. I think it's very similar. If you're a forgiven person, if you've received the forgiveness of Christ, then forgiveness should follow. You should be representing your king and you should extend forgiveness to others. I think Jesus understood that this would be a hard concept for us to really grasp and understand. And so he includes it. In this same gospel, he talks about it again. So turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, to Matthew chapter 18. He deals with it at a lot lot more length in this particular passage. And I think that what we find here is is Jesus really teaching us the same idea, that we are called to forgive. As forgiven people, we are called to forgive. So in Matthew chapter 18, we'll start in uh, verse uh, 21, just to give us a little bit of context for this passage. Uh, He's talking to his disciples. And Peter, he says, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? fair question. Up to seven times, he says. And just so you know, in the Jewish tradition, uh, three times is what's expected of them. They're expected to forgive somebody three times. And so it's almost as if Peter is saying, okay, I'm going to double what's expected of me, and I'm going to just add another one for, for good measure. That's the only way that I could figure out. He came up with seven there. And so he's, he's really extending what's expected. And so I think he's thinking he's going to get a pat on the back. Yeah, that'd be great if you could do it seven times. But listen to Jesus' response. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Or some translations, seven times 70 times. The point that Jesus is making is not the number. Jesus is really telling us, you don't keep record of it. Just like we find in in 1 Corinthians 13, love does not keep record of wrong." 77 times, or 70 times, 70 times, 490 times. So how many times has that person done that thing where you said, you know what, in our American thinking, it's kind of three strikes, you're out, kind of like the old Jewish tradition. Three times, maybe I'll forgive you three times, but the fourth, I've learned my lesson and you're out of my life. And, and what God is teaching us, we're going to see in this passage, that's not a Christian response. We're called to forgive just as God has forgiven us. And I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that there's not a limit to his forgiveness. It's limitless. And we need to reflect him in that same way. So let's look at this story together. We'll walk through it quickly and see what Jesus is teaching. He uses a story, as he does so often, to teach this incredible lesson. He says, therefore, in verse 23, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servant. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. I want to stop there so that you can know how much ten thousand talents is. Uh, there's there's different scholars who kind of come up with different figures. All of them come to the same conclusion that it's millions and millions of dollars. But here's the way that I've broken it down for us: um, ten thousand talents. One talent equals six thousand denarii. One denarius, we find in, in the Bible, is worth one day's wage. So if that's true, that means that one talent equals six thousand days' worth of work. That means that 10,000 talents, which is what this guy owes, equals 60 million days of work. So that's roughly 240,000 years of labor. Now, I want to ask you, church, I want to ask you a question. Do you think that we're talking about money? Do you think this guy really owed his master that much money? A servant can never rack up that much debt. It, should, it would be very clear to the people reading this or hearing this from Jesus that, that Jesus is talking something about something other than money. The debt I believe that he's talking about here and what it seems to be what he tells us later in this passage is our sin. And I don't know how many times you sin a day, but I, I don't try to keep track of mine, it, but it's a lot. We sin constantly. And yet it's a debt that, that God is willing to pay for on our behalf. So let's continue the story. This guy has this incredible debt, and I want you to realize early on this debt is not talking about money. Jesus is talking about something else. I believe he's talking about our sin. Verse 25, since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii. And again, if we look at the same math, that's 100 days of work. So roughly a little less than a third of an annual income is what this guy owes. So it's a lot, but nothing compared to what he owed his master. He grabbed this this person, he grabbed him, and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. It's not too hard for us to see the hypocrisy that's happening within this story. Verse 29, his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in you wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailer to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. And I'll remind you, he could never pay that back. It was a debt that was far too beyond his ability to pay on his own. And then Jesus gives us another Jesus said what moment? Verse 35, he says, This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. So Jesus teaches this story about this merciful master and an unmerciful servant. He talks about this incredible forgiveness that's given, this debt that he owed that's been paid. And then this servant turns around and he does not reflect the heart of the king. Instead, he chooses to be unmerciful, to not show forgiveness. And Jesus follows up with these words, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother in heaven. Excuse me, your, your brother from your heart. From your heart. Forgiveness is not saying that what the person did is okay. Forgiveness is not it's not so many things. It's not saying that, you know what, I wish that you would do that again. It's not saying that I'm going to forget this and I'll never remember it again. It's not saying that I'm disappointed in you, but I'm, I'm going to let this, this off this one time. Forgiveness is choosing to not hold that person responsible for the debt that they owe, for the wrong that they committed. And that's what God has done for us. And it seems like Jesus is expecting the same from his followers. He's calling us to reflect the heart of the Father. And I know this doesn't sit nice with us. It, it doesn't, it's, for some reason, it's, it's hard for us to grasp. You mean this, this is connected? It seems to be in this particular passage, he says this is connected to our eternal destiny. He's describing hell here. He's talking about a, a place of eternal punishment. And he says that's where we deserve to go if we choose not to forgive. But, but here's what I want you to hear. The Father desperately wants to extend forgiveness to each of us. It's the desire of his heart. But it's a choice we have to make. Will we go to him for forgiveness? I want you to see in another place in Scripture, another gospel, in case you think, well, this is just Matthew's little pet thing, and maybe he's just doing it. Let's turn to Luke. Luke chapter 17. Jesus says these words. He's teaching kind of a similar idea, but he he, he gives a little more to it in this particular passage. He says, If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times a day and seven times comes back to you and says, I repent, forgive him. He's teaching a few things here, I think. One, just like with our relationship with God, the person has to seek forgiveness. Are they coming for forgiveness? We do not receive forgiveness from God unless we seek it. And that's how we begin to, to place our faith in him and trust him. It's not necessarily something that we simply just receive because we're a human and he loves all. He does love all, but he leaves the choice up to us to seek forgiveness, to confess and to repent. And when we do, he, without a moment, chooses to forgive because of what Christ did on our behalf. And I think we need to have the same response. If someone comes to you and seeks forgiveness, they repent, then we need to forgive. And some of us, we have theological backgrounds. We know that repent means that we need to turn from that wicked way and not return to it. Yes, that's true. But let's not make excuses. Let's not say, well, they're not really repenting because, look, they're doing it again. I don't know about you, but there's sins in my life that I continue to return to, and I don't want to. I hate that I do. But I'm a fallen person, and I make mistakes. And I'm so thankful that, that my God does not have a limit on the number of times that he chooses to forgive me. And in the same way, we need to reflect the heart of the Father. We cannot keep harboring bitterness in our heart towards those who have maybe wronged us. If they're seeking forgiveness, we need to reflect the heart of the King, and we need to choose to forgive. It's not an optional thing. This is not an optional thing. We must choose to forgive. Jesus, in verse 4 there, he kind of remembers, helps us to remember this idea that there's not a limit to it. If they come to you seven times with the same thing and ask you to forgive, then you forgive them seven times. Let's look at it again in another passage, in another gospel. Turn to gospel of Mark. And again, I'm, just, I'm taking this through this because this is, this is uh, in my opinion, a Jesus says what type of statement. And he doesn't just kind of flippantly say it in one particular place. It seems to be a theme. Something that he hits over and over, and I wonder if it's because he knows that we're going to struggle with it, and he wants us to understand how important forgiveness truly is. Forgiveness matters. So in Mark chapter 12, excuse me, chapter 11, we're going to start in verse 24. It says, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. There seems to be this mysterious tie between us choosing to forgive and representing God and God forgiving us. I think us choosing to hold bitterness in our heart uh, can probably really damage our relationship with the Lord. It can keep us from having that, that, that beautiful conversation and connection that he desires to have with us through a relationship with him through prayer. I think that if you're harboring bitterness and then choosing not to forgive, it's damaging your relationship with the Lord. It matters more than we think. I want to read to you what uh, Warren Wiersbe has to say on this. I, I appreciate him as a commentator, and he, I think, helps us to kind of draw a line because this messes with our theology a little bit and so he he makes this state this statement says it is unlikely that jesus was teaching that believers earn god's forgiveness by forgiving others for this would be contrary to god's free grace and mercy however if we have truly experienced god's forgiveness then we will have a readiness to forgive others kind of like what we said earlier with the whole faith without works Just like faith is going to be followed by fruit and works, a forgiven person is going to choose to forgive others because they know that they're called to represent their king. I want to read that that verse for you again in Mark chapter uh, 11 here because something very interesting happens that doesn't happen often in Scripture. In verse 24 it says, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you will have received it, and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone forgive him so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. And then if you look in your Bible, if you have your Bible, it jumps from verse 25 to verse 27. 26 is not in your Bible. You find that kind of weird that for some reason in your Bible, verse 26 is missing? I'll tell you what, what's taking place there. This, in, this particular uh, passage Uh, some manuscripts, some later manuscripts, include a verse 26. And verse 26 says this, But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father who is in heaven forgive your sins. So what some scribes chose to do, later manuscripts, so not the earliest manuscripts, but later manuscripts, they took Matthew's teaching and inserted it in. And we, we, scholars believe this to be true because they're using language that Matthew uses to describe it. The, the vocabulary is the way that Matthew would have said this, and it's really just a duplication of that first verse that we looked at today in Matthew chapter 6. And I think it's very intriguing that these early followers of Christ decided to add something to a manuscript. That baffles me that they chose to do that. But I think maybe what they were wrestling with is how huge this concept is. And how important it is for Christ followers to understand how important forgiveness is. And whether you leave it in or take it out, the truth remains the same. Those are still red letters because Jesus said it in Matthew uh, 6. But even in Matthew 11 here, if we we close with that last verse, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Uh, so that you may be forgiven. And I know it doesn't fit nice and neat in my theology, but I know from studying this that forgiveness matters and that God expects me to forgive others. It's not an optional thing. It's something he's commanding and challenging us to do, and I hope you realize how huge and how important it is. There's a couple ways that we can uh, apply the truth that we kind of wrestled with today, a couple ways that we can... Uh, explore how God might want us to respond to his truth. I think that you guys know that whenever Dave or anyone speaks from God's word, we're not just to be hearers of his word, but we're to be doers. We're to figure out, what does God want me to do with this? How can I apply it to my life? I think that that the Apostle Paul does a good job summarizing this in one verse that we can kind of understand and and take a deep breath and and strive to live out. So I want to read this for us. In Ephesians uh, chapter 4, verse 32, it says this. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. That's the heart of the message today. We have been forgiven in Christ. God has forgiven us through Jesus. And if you're here today and you've been exploring Christ, you've been coming to Cross Point for a while, or maybe this is your first Sunday, sorry you're getting me instead of Pastor Dave, but are you at a place where you need to receive the forgiveness that's offered from the Heavenly Father? It's made possible. Your debt, you know that, those numbers that we looked at up there that the, uh, the unmerciful servant owed his master? That 240,000 years of labor? That probably pales in comparison to the sin that's represented in this room. Yet God wants to forgive that debt, and he already has through what Jesus has done on the cross for you. And so if you're here today and you've not yet received the forgiveness of your sin, I want to tell you, you can do that right now today. You can come talk to Pastor Dave, another one of the leaders here at this church. You can talk to me. We'd love to to take you through how to to pray and to really commit your life to Christ and to receive that forgiveness. And so that's where it starts. But my guess is that most people in this room today, you have a relationship with Christ. You know that you have been forgiven. Now, I want to encourage you to hear the words of Paul here and to apply the truth that we saw that Jesus spoke to us today. Be kind and compassionate to each other. Forgive each other. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. You've been forgiven through Jesus' sacrifice, and he's calling us to forgive others as well. And so as we go out today, as we close in prayer here in a moment, I want to challenge you. Is there a person that you have not yet forgiven? And I want to tell you, I know that there are things probably represented in this room that, quite frankly, do not deserve forgiveness. They don't deserve it. I want to help us to to remember that we do not deserve forgiveness either. Yet God extended it to us and he challenges us as forgiven people to forgive others. It's not because they deserve to be forgiven, but it's because you're making a choice to represent your king and to show love and to show forgiveness. Forgiveness matters. And God calls us to forgive all people. There's no sin that I can commit that is unforgivable in the eyes of God, through Jesus. And I hope that if there's a person that you are choosing not to forgive, that you would just wrestle with the reality that this matters, that God has not made this an optional thing. He desires for us to forgive. And so uh, bring it to the Lord in your heart and ask him to help you to extend that forgiveness because you're, just as uh, God has forgiven us through Christ, I believe that we need Christ to be able to forgive others as well. Let's pray together. Father God, I admit that uh, this was a hard message for me. This is a hard subject to wrestle with and to uh, think through and to, uh, to, to realize you really said those things, Jesus. That our forgiveness to others matters. It seems to matter enough that it affects the Father's forgiveness to us. And so, Lord, I ask that you would help us to, uh, number one, if there's anyone here today, Lord, who has not yet received your forgiveness, uh, we we want to just uh, ask that you work in their heart, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would truly encourage them to take that step of faith, to receive the forgiveness of their sins, to allow their debt to be made clean. But, Lord, for a lot of us, I believe there's probably many of us today who are harboring bitterness in our heart towards someone someone who's done something probably awful. And I want to ask for your help, Lord, to, uh, for all of us to extend that forgiveness, to represent you in that hardest moment so that we can have a right relationship with you and that, so that others can see your love. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen. <clears throat> Thanks, Bill. Um, and I, I would encourage us to, to not just be hearers of the word, but doers of it. And uh, if you need to take action on something, then do it today. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't, oh yeah, I need to do that. But have the conversation today and, um, and build a relationship, reconcile a relationship that is potentially uh, broken today. Uh, I want to encourage you to be praying for uh, Jeff Hegstrom. Jeff and Angie are uh, missionaries that we support with Relevant Ministry and uh, Jeff on Friday fell off a ladder and uh, broke his elbow pretty significantly, and they are set to be up here in a couple weeks. And uh, potentially he might have surgery tomorrow. He's uh, we'll find out more tomorrow on that. So I just encourage you to be uh, praying for them, and I'm going to pray for them. And then we'll uh, do some uh, VBS commissioning here afterwards. So uh, Father, I pray that you would uh, be at work in uh, Jeff's physical life, God. That you'd uh, heal his elbow, God. That you'd give wisdom to the doctors that he meets with tomorrow, and God, provide for them and uh, continue to uh, do what only you can do, whether it's physically or spiritually, draw his heart close to you and encourage his heart as he is overflowing and serving others. And I pray that he would be uh, served well in this time and that you'd be glorified in all of this. Lord, we trust you and uh, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. So VBS starts um, tonight. If If you're new with us, we don't typically have... Uh, cool mountains in the background, although that'd be cool. Um, but uh, so VBS starts tonight, and um, typically we pray for and commission our mission team. Well, it makes sense for us to pray for and commission our volunteer team that serves uh, during VBS. So if you are set to serve or if you're going to sign up today to serve, uh, if you, you could come up to the stage now, uh, I have no other fill time for you to come. So if you could arise Arise, my love. If you could arise and walk toward the stage, that'd be awesome. Thank you. That's a first right there. That's a first. Smoke machine next week. Um, but uh, no, that will not happen. Um, but we are, uh, we're grateful for this team and if you want to be a part of this team and uh, if you can only commit a couple nights this week, great. We'd love to have you. So talk to Holly McLean right there if you want to be involved today. Um, so I want to pray for this team right now. Uh, Father God, I thank you so much for um, volunteers. I thank you for staff. I thank you for Uh, people who uh, follow you and are willing to serve you in this way i pray that this week would be significant not only in children's lives but in our own hearts as we serve i pray that you would give us abundance uh, abundant joy and endurance and patience and love lord that you would be glorified by how we interact with one another by how we interact with the children that you bring in our doors i pray that you'd give us opportunities to invite people this week God, I pray that kids would come to know you as Lord and Savior, that you would grow their love for you and their love for one another. Thank you for an opportunity this week to be driven to reach people, to, uh, to go and make disciples in our own neighborhoods. And I pray that this, um, this place, whether it's in the building or outside the building, would, uh, would be used for your kingdom uh, this week. And I pray for these volunteers that you would grow their love for you, their love for one another, and their love for the children and the people that they will interact with this week, God. In Jesus' name, amen.